if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two now underway at 10 minutes past 10. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 22nd morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2020. If you're tuning in for Peter Kirsten, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really am that I have to let you down. Uh, Peter is in hearings all day today, court hearings. And uh, he has pledged to join us on the program tomorrow, hopefully at about the same time at about 10.10. So coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform. I should just hit this real fast. I feel bad. I really do. Um, although I will say that because of the untimely death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Friday, it has turned this entire week into uh, you know, Supreme Court talk. But... Um, under normal circumstances, I would be in Washington, D.C. right now broadcasting from FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, and their uh, annual Hold Their Feet to the Fire event. And we'd be talking about immigration. We'd be talking about uh, border security. We'd be talking about jobs. We'd be talking about DACA. We'd be talking about all of the things that are so extraordinary. You know, really, the, the issue that Donald Trump probably was elected on as much as anything else. His pledge to fix a stagnant economy and his pledge to secure our border and deal with the immigration madness in this country. It's that big. And every year, the Federation for American Immigration Reform holds uh, holding their feet to the fire. And a couple hundred talk show hosts from around the country descend on D- upon D.C. And we talk to the major players in the game. And we would talk to Homeland Security. We would talk to ICE. We would talk to uh, members of the administration. We would talk to members of Congress. We would talk to people like Tom Holman uh, and Federation for American Immigration Reforms holding their feet to the fire event this year, as you can imagine, has been canceled. We're not allowed to gather in large numbers, masks or no masks, because of fear of the virus. So it's all essentially just being done by phone now, and uh, we're just not able to uh, treat it the same way. But we are going to do it at 1035 when David Ray joins us from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. He is, and they are still doing some extraordinarily important work. All right, I'm going to go to the phones because I promised I would. 216-901-0945. But I'm also going to have to address LeBron James before we are done. Because LeBron James just can't stop race baiting. He just can't. He's been doing it all summer 
And now his team is in the playoffs at some stage, I guess. Like I said, I stopped watching. I have not watched a dribble from the bubble down in Orlando. I will not watch their woke games. I will not watch the NFL and their wokeness either. But I do have a headline from the Daily Wire in front of me, dated yesterday. LeBron James says black votes don't count in America. We've seen our voices be muted our whole lives. He literally is contending that black people's votes are being voided in elections across America. I, I just, there are no words really to describe how, how dangerous LeBron James is. He's dangerous because he's misinformed or he's lying. Either one. They're both terrible. And he has a platform that is enormous. That makes him dangerous. He's got as many Twitter followers as President Trump does. He has millions of people listening to him. And he lies about race and about the uh, black experience in America and about police brutality and about being hunted by white people. And about how this entire system is so oppressive to him and people like him. And he's got a massive, massive platform on which to speak. He's dangerous for that reason. And every time I see him speak, I cringe. And I want to, I I just want to fact check him. I wish he would have the guts to come onto the air with somebody who isn't Don Lemon. Or isn't Stephen A. Smith, or isn't Jamel Hill, or isn't some other African-American news personality that will just nod and bow down to King James? I would love for somebody to actually challenge him on his ridiculous posturing and grandstanding and race-baiting. It's dangerous. It's so hard to be black. Let me ask you this real quick. Then I'm going to your calls because I said I would. Have you been made aware of any African-American, any black person in America, who has tried to lie and change their race to be white so that they can enjoy some of that white privilege that we're always told about? Can you name anyone? And I'm legitimately asking, because if you can, it will be the first one I've heard of. But I can name for you several white Americans who have intentionally changed their race and pretended to be black to enjoy the privileges that come with it. Prominent people who have achieved and and who have uh, arrived in prominent places because of their newly obtained minority status, faking being black. If being black in America is so god-awful and so, so oppressive and so dangerous, why do people who are not black try to become black? Why do they change their appearance to look black? Why do they act black? Why do they culturally appropriate, if you will, blackness, if it is such a terrible thing to be in America? Because I don't see anybody trying to be white. I don't see anybody who's a person of color trying to be white in order to take advantage of some of that privilege. If you do, tell me. 216 David in LaGrange, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, David, go ahead. 
Yes, Bob, I'm kind of uh, hesitant to mention this on the air. I didn't want to give anybody any ideas. But you think that these radicals may be deployed to polling places, such as in Pennsylvania and Michigan, where Trump uh, nearly won those districts? Absolutely. You know, you're not giving them ideas. They've already done this. Do you remember? You remember uh, during the 28, or, or was it 2008 or 2012? I can't remember when the Black Panthers stood there in, in military fatigues, standing there outside of Philadelphia. It's kind of funny. You mentioned Pennsylvania, specifically in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, intimidating people who might have been there to vote for I don't remember if it was McCain or Romney. Because uh, I don't remember if it was 08 or 12, but they were there basically on behalf of Barack Obama, scaring the, the you know, the you know what out of people. Uh, and they were there, and it was completely illegal, and uh, nothing was ever done about it. So, you know, and that was just intimidation by the Black Panthers, which is a very radical organization with very violent history associated with their names. So, yes, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and the other organizations, you better believe they're going to be out there protesting and trying to scare people away. And uh, can I add something? Sure. I think these radicals, they're, they're, they're being paid. You know, that's what, that's what I'm hearing. No doubt. And, and I believe maybe they might be taking these, getting these people who've been released from prison. And the reason I say that is because back in 1989, in Panama, General Norega did the same thing. You got people who are coming out of prison or going to prison to, uh, you know, disturb the opposition party you know to break windows to yeah. beat people up in the opposition party I'm- well, I, I don't know if there are people coming from prison, David. I, you know, I, I mean, they may be because, you know, a lot, and thanks for the call. You know, a lot of times people coming out of prison with a record, they have a hard time getting a job. If somebody's going to pay them to go and do uh, radical stuff and destroy things, <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Um, look, the fact that so many of these individuals have been doing this night after night after night. Jim Jordan said over 100 days in a row. I think it's more like 120 now. Uh, days in a row that they have been on the streets and uh, carrying out these acts in, in places like Portland and Seattle. Um, you know, nobody can do that and, and report to an 8 a.m. job the next day. Nobody can. Nobody can be out that late all night causing havoc and then report to a job. Uh, if they're unemployed and they don't have jobs, then how can they afford to do all of the things that they do? How can they afford all of the equipment that they use? Um, so, yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that they are being paid. I don't know. Everybody wants to point to George Soros, maybe. Uh, maybe there's a, a, it's probably a money laundered trail that goes from point A to B, C, D, E, and E, and F before it arrives in the hands of uh, these professional anarchists. But look, they are militant in their tactics, meaning military trained in their tactics. Uh, they are planned. They are organized. It is not just random chaos. This is just what they want it to look like. So, yeah, professional uh, uh, radicals and anarchists are out there. Let's go to Akron. Tanya, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. How are you? I'm good, Tanya. What's uh, in your mind? Liz, <laughs> you're on a roll. Uh, Lizzie Graham, I don't know why they just don't learn how to communicate. Say, yes, I changed my mind, and just go into it. And you changed your mind about birth, you know, about uh, abortion and everything else. Yes. Just learn how to fight. I'm just so tired of these wimpy Republicans. You know, well, I, 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 in Lindsey Graham's credit, or to his credit, rather, based on what you just said, I think he is doing that. 
I think he is saying, look, you know, Brett Kavanaugh and the way they treated him made me change my mind. Yes, I know what I said four years ago, but something happened in between then and now that changed this game. What they did to break the rules and to destroy, you know, a couple of centuries of history in terms of uh, appointing people to the court, et cetera, what they have done uh, has changed everything. And so, yeah, I'm allowed to change my mind, too. I think he is saying I'm ready for this fight. You can use my words however you want. But, uh, yes, I am going to hold hearings in the judiciary as soon as we hear the president's nominee. Well, I just, I just think that we we don't fight well enough. We fight like we're playing with, uh, we're using proper, you know, the King's English and everything <laughs> else. Come on, let's let's fight like we did when we in 1776. If that's a bad thing to say now, because we have critical race theory and they're changing everything, but yeah, do that. Uh, well, you know I don't what, you know, you know what, James, <laughs> I don't, you know. My whole point about him is that he will once he gets older, he may change his mind. We were I was Oprah had this much power at one time and nobody listens to her anymore. And if he keeps opening his mouth, you'll find out that no one listens to him. I rather Well I think the my- minute he stops I think the minute he stops dunking and hitting threes uh, and, you know, doing what has made him a celebrity once he fades into retirement. If he thinks people are going to come to him for political advice when he's not the, the biggest name in the sport, uh, I think he's deluded, delusional because you're right. Nobody's going to listen to him once he leaves that spotlight. i got to run here. Thank you, Tanya, for the phone call. Appreciate it. By the way, I agree with you about getting down in the dirt and fighting. I said that prior to the, the last break. You know, I would prefer to fight with Mark, uh, Marquis of Prings, uh, King's Queensberry rules, rather. Uh, I would prefer to have it be a fair fight. But if they're going to get down in the dirt and do rabbit punching, and if they're going to hit low, with low blows and so on, guess what? I'm not just going to stay there and continue to follow the rules. I'm going to fight back the right way. I think Graham's doing that. I think that's what the rest of us should be doing as well. We'll be right back. Okay, 1026, we'll get a few more phone calls in here. Don't forget David Reagan to join us after the bottom of the hour from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We'll go to uh, Hudson. Gina, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Gina, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Thank you. Listen, my my concern is, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, is two things, especially in the case of Amy uh, Comey Barrett, who might be the possible nominee. I'm curious to think what Murkowski and Collins are going to do when they rip this woman apart maybe bring up her sexual past, try and do what they did at Kavanaugh on her. And I'm also kind of curious what your thoughts would be, is the Catholic Church going to stand by quietly, as they have, and let this woman be ripped apart for her faith? And I'm anxious, because most Catholics are voting Democrat. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. It goes against all of our tenets. But I'm just kind of curious, because I think Murkowski and Collins are going to have to change their positions. They're going to vote. They're never going to want to face a woman being ripped apart like they did Kavanaugh. Well, Gina, I don't think they're going to do the same thing they did to Kavanaugh in terms of, you know, uh, sexual past, you know, the sexual assault uh, allegations they made against him and that sort of thing. Because, you know, she's just about as as as. I don't know. I don't want to use the word pure. Nobody's pure. But I mean, if you just look at her history, she is a devout Catholic, a mother of seven. She spent her entire life, it appears, being devoted to her family and to her career. She doesn't have any kind of, you know, again, knowable skeletons in her closet in any regard uh, in that way. 
But the part about the Catholics, uh, the Catholic part of this, I should say, yeah, they're going to attack her over that because Catholics are pro-life. I'm going to dis- I'm going to well, I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you on this. Uh, I think the church, I agree with you that the church will remain silent on this. They just don't want to involve themselves in these things, even though there was was a time uh, in a previous uh, iteration of, of this country that the Catholic Church would actually be very outspoken in defense of their tenets and their faith. But right now they seem to be ashamed of them rather than defensive of them. Uh, so I agree with you, the church as a, as a whole is going to be quiet. But I'm going to disagree with you when you say most Catholics are voting Democrat. I think just most of the vocal Catholics are voting Democrat. I think that most conservative Catholics who really truly believe in pro-life, who really truly believe in the faith and believe in the tenets and the foundation upon which the church was built, I think they're part of the silent majority. I think they're not out there getting into arguments with people over abortion and getting arguments arguments with people over Donald Trump and his past and so on and so forth. They know what's right. They know, uh, you know, what they believe, and I really, truly think that they are part of the silent majority. And I think the Catholic uh, vote will come through in in large numbers for President Trump. Not all, obviously, but in large numbers. All right. Anything else, Gina? No, that's great. I appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. I I appreciate your phone call. Thanks for asking. Let me get one more in before the bottom. Paul is in Akron on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Paul. Go right ahead. Hi. I was just uh, calling. I think Biden is going to end up winning the debates for two reasons. First, after seeing the so far named moderators are all lefties or never Trumpers, and knowing that they're going to use the Donna Brazil debate strategy, that's where the moderators give the questions to Biden in advance, and there's none of those moderators that wouldn't do it. But uh, I think it's going to give him a hand up so that he does actually win the debates. Well, here's the thing I would say. Thank you for the call, my friend. Um, the bar is very, very low for Joe Biden at the debate. So if he doesn't just walk out of there and trip on his way to the podium and stab himself with the pen that's on it, um, they're going to say he did a phenomenal job because he is such a horrific uh, public orator without a teleprompter. He is just so bad. At least this version of Joe Biden hasn't always been this way. But when he has to think and recall things, um, you know, he, he struggles badly and everybody knows it. And I think that's why President Trump last night in that rally in Swanton said that he thinks Joe Biden is going to do very well in the debate because he's got a lot of experience. He's been in this game for 47 years. So the president is trying to raise that bar of expectation for Biden so he doesn't get the victory just by showing up and not stabbing himself. And as far as the moderators, you might be surprised by this, but I'm okay with Chris Wallace, who's moderating the first one in Cleveland a week from today. I'm okay with Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace was very hard on Donald Trump when they sat down for an hour. But because of that, President Trump knows what to expect from him. Joe Biden is too much of a coward to sit down with Chris Wallace one-on-one. Wallace said so on the air. He didn't say the word coward, but he said, we have asked Joe Biden to do the same thing President Trump has said, Trump has, has done, and he is not responding to their request. I think Biden is afraid of the questions Chris Wallace can answer. President Trump is used to them. So I think from that standpoint in the first debate, I think, uh, I think things are going to be okay. All right, we're going to get a timeout now for news, and on the flip side, more of your calls, but also David Ray from what should be holding their feet to the fire, Federation for American Immigration Reform, coming up, AM 1420, The Answer. Attention, social justice warriors. 
If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 1037, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Before I get to my guest, I've got three things that I need to share with you. I'll do them quickly. Number one, I was having a conversation with a physician friend of mine off the air. We were talking about the efficacy of the uh, testing and the efficacy of the masks and whether or not they can really stop the virus from being spread and how the virus really is spread. And the backdrop of this is yesterday the CDC has removed guidance saying that coronavirus spreads through the air, saying, yeah, that was posted in error. A draft version of a proposed change to these recommendations was posted in air to the agency's official website. CDC is currently updating its recommendations regarding airborne transmission of COVID-19. So in other words, they were trying to tell you it can just hang in the air and it can just be passed uh, through the air from one person to another. Now they're saying, yeah, not so much. They still don't know what it does. And yet they are continuing to hold us hostage businesses, schools, so many people's lives continue to be ruined. Um, and yet we're told, trust the science, trust the science. The science doesn't know what the hell it's doing. All right? That's number one. Number two, good news for President Trump and for Amy Coney Barrett or whomever the nominee might be for the Supreme Court, because Mitt Romney has spoken. Remember, the concern was that Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney, Romney, of course, being a devout never-Trumper, could be no votes or not uh, voting to take up the vote um, on President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, which means with a 53-47 uh, uh, majority, the Republicans could have as little as 50 votes, which would require then a tie-break by uh, Vice President Mike Pence. The good news now is this. Excuse me. I think I just coughed up some coronavirus. The uh, good news is this. Mitt Romney has joined Cory Gardner in Colorado and Chuck Grassley in Iowa, all of whom were questionable as to whether or not they would support this. Excuse me again. More corona. Um, But the three of them have now said they do support the president making a nomination and they will provide their advice and consent uh, in a confirmation process. So that's very good news for the Republicans. And finally, this one, I can cough in peace now as I play you a little bit of audio from Joe Biden. America, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. One nation, indivisible, under God, for real. America, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. One nation. End of his wonder God for real. America. I mean, this is this is worse than his declaration. This is worse than his preamble. Remember, you know, you know the thing. Joe Biden wants to be president of the United States. He doesn't know the Pledge of Allegiance. Dinesh D'Souza just tweeted this 39 minutes ago. He said, this could not be more embarrassing. This is who they've chosen for president of the United States. He's trying to do the Pledge of Allegiance before a very small gathering, and he can't do it. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. One nation, indivisible, under God, for real. One nation, indivisible, under God, for real. You know, you know the thing. Come on, This just gets, you know, people talk about the debates that's coming up. How's Joe Biden? He doesn't know the pledge. He doesn't know the pledge. 
Can you imagine what it would be like, like if somebody asked Joe Biden to sing the Star Spangled Banner? I bet I know Dave Ray could. Dave Ray joining us now from the Federation for American uh, Immigration Reform. We should be in D.C. together right now for holding their feet to the fire, the annual uh, event in which uh, about 200 talk show hosts from around the country descend upon D.C., talking with leaders of the federal government from ICE, from Homeland, from Congress, from all from the administration, from all over the place, yeah. to uh, to shine a light right. on the dangers of uh, illegal immigration in this country. And Dave Ray, I'm not in D.C. I'm here in Cleveland, my friend. It's not fair. Well, you keep coughing up coronavirus like that, Bob. We're going to keep you in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> no, You're you right. know, it's, uh, this is going to be like our 14th annual event. We're doing it virtual this year. We actually have 65 guests from around the country like you, uh, hosts who are who are talking to members of the administration and congressional leaders and angel families and so on to, you know, uh, me- members of the Border Patrol and the men and women of ICE kind of painting a picture of, uh, you know, what's going right in America in terms of our borders and, and what we need to be focusing our attention on. So we're still doing the talking. It just doesn't have the synergy that you normally have when you get all those people in one hotel. That's for sure. Yeah, no question about that. It's a, it's a very different atmosphere when we're able to do it there. I'm so glad that you guys have done this. It was uh, what, 16 or 17 years uh, for, for the right. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we thought long and hard about this and just could not really get the logistics to work this year with all the, uh, restrictions on numbers that could be, you know, gathering and so on. And so we're trying it virtual, uh, better virtual than not at all. And so here Indeed. we are, and it's great to be with you again, my friend. Well, it's good to talk to you as well. Uh, and, you know, the first thing that I want to ask you about, it, it just jumped out at me when I was uh, uh, prepping my show, as, and I saw this last night, is that a Border Patrol agent around Nogales, Arizona, um, has been stabbed while attempting to arrest right. a group of suspected illegal immigrants uh, last night. Um, David, right. the threat is still there. The threat is still very real. People aren't talking about the wall right now. They're not talking about drugs and gang members uh, being uh, being funneled across the border. They're not talking about all of these various threats. That doesn't mean they go away. And this is just an example of it. Our Border Patrol agents are out there in harm's way. And yes, there are still some very, very dangerous people coming into this country, as evidenced by that attack last night. Yeah, I mean, make, make no mistake, the president has made uh, great gains in regaining control of America's borders. I mean, if you think about uh, you know, uh, catch and release, which had plagued us for more than a decade. That's done. He, the president's worked out all of these uh, bilateral agreements with our friends to the south in Mexico and Central America, trying to tamp down asylum abuse. Uh, if you think about last May, May of uh, 2019, we had 144,000 apprehensions at the border. This May, it was 23,000. But the fact remains, Bob, People are still coming, and those who are coming are often often doing so with illegal drugs and narcotics, you know, feeding the opioid epidemic in, in, in the, the heartland of the country. And, uh, you know, I, I meet with Border Patrol agents all the time when we go and do our talk radio uh, tours at the border, and I'm telling you, it's a very dangerous job, and these folks are true patriots. Uh, they put their life on the thin green line every day. 
uh, and uh, they love their country and they want to stop the hemorrhaging at the border. Uh, you know, the United States is a nation that has, uh, for a very long time, welcomed immigrants, and we will continue to do so, but we want them to come through the front door of legal immigration in an orderly fashion, not crashing their way through the, through the borders uh, illicitly, um, you know, with drugs in tow. And so, thank God the Border Patrol is still out there. Um, you know, all of the bashing that has happened to law enforcement this year from the left, the Border Patrol and the men and women of ICE, have had some of that as well. Uh, while I was in Texas last year, there's somebody who took a shot at the ICE facility. Uh, these are people who are, uh, you know, finding and removing criminal aliens from the heartland of our country, and they're being demonized by the left uh, for simply carrying out the duties that Congress laid out for them. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a very sad story. Our thoughts and prayers are with the agent who was stabbed, and hopefully we won't be hearing about uh, something like this happening anytime uh, soon again. Let's talk about the politics of all of this now. Um, uh, David Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Joe Biden said last week that his goal would be, if he becomes president of the United States, to find a pathway to citizenship for every illegal alien in this country right now. <clears throat> Not just the DACA recipients, which he was speaking of, he right. said, but for everybody. And once again, right. you know, the danger of this cannot be overstated. And the media basically just glossed right over it and said, let's go on to something sexier. But I don't know how I mean, much more dangerous things could be than to give citizenship yeah, and voting rights to 11, 12, 15, 20 million illegal aliens who don't respect the laws of this country enough to even come here legally, much less actually uh, live a legal life while they're here. Go ahead. Right. Well, you know, Bob, the Fair Brain Trust started looking over the promises made by Biden-Harris and the plans they've released, which do include a mass amnesty. And when we started crunching the numbers, it got to be very scary because, I mean, when you talk about a mass amnesty, this is between 12 and 14 million people who are in the country illegally. Just talking about an amnesty in and of itself incentivizes more illegal immigration, ask the Border Patrol. But when you start looking at the numbers down the road, for every immigrant that receives an amnesty, on average, they sponsor an additional three point four or five new immigrants. In other words, if the Biden-Harris amnesty would go through, when we look down the pipe after these folks become citizens and can sponsor their relatives uh, overseas, we're talking about an additional 43 million people eligible to come to the United States on top of the 12 to 14 million who are already here getting amnesty. And we're talking about, at that point, the cost of illegal immigration surpassing $200 million a year. It's currently about 117, sorry, about $204 billion a year. It's currently about $117 billion a year. So we are talking about numbers. When you say, uh, you know, an additional 43 million immigrants on top of those amnesty. That's bigger than the number of immigrants who've come here since 1965. I mean, we are talking about a surge unseen in American history. That's why that amnesty, you know, it, it, 
there, there's a reason why the IRS doesn't give tax amnesties. Because if you give a tax amnesty, they know that more people are just going to cheat on their taxes. You know, you reward behaviors that you want to incentivize. So if you want to incentivize illegal immigration, then by all means, give an amnesty and then watch the borders because they are well, just going to blow yeah, up. You know, I'm glad you went there, David, because that was going to be my last question to you is about this election. I mean, really... If you listen to the promises made by Joe Biden about that amnesty and about pathway to citizenship, uh, if, if he wins on November 3rd, just just get out of the way because the border is just going to be rushed. You don't think that people who have considered making the run to our southern border have thought about it and decided against it, thought about it, not sure if I want to run the risk. But if you find out that waiting on the other side is not necessarily a jail cell and a ticket back home, but a pathway to citizenship, full voting rights right. and more, that rush on the border is going to be enormous. And they're not going to wait until well, the summer. As soon as Joe Biden right. is 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 elected. And, and certainly before he's even inaugurated, they're going to come running to join the already 12 to 14 million that are here. Well, you know, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, Bob. We cannot get involved in, in you know, political battles or, or, or in, in the presidential race. But I will say that uh, uh, the Biden-Harris plan has laid out a very clear vision of where they would like to take this nation's immigration policies. It's a direct opposite vision of what President Trump had. And they've also said they would cancel a lot of his executive orders. Well, these orders and these binational agreements that I mentioned, this, these are all the reasons why the numbers of illegal immigrants coming in right now have been tamped down so dramatically. Congress had nothing to do with any of this. The president worked these deals out with our neighbors to the South. And if you you know, give an amnesty to the people who are here, cancel all the deals we have with our uh, Mexican and Central American neighbors, we are going to be right back to catch and release. We're going to be at historically high uh, levels of illegal immigration. I mean, it's uh, uh, for people who care about this issue, it is uh, I, I would suggest doing your homework uh, on on both camps and uh, see who is taking this country in the direction you'd like to take like it to be taken right well you know and i get it that you can't say who you're voting for but i just will remind people of exactly what we're talking about right now just let me just hit this real fast if uh, and yet now uh, president trump has canceled daca what would you do i'm going to reinstate it and then they're going to be part of what i'm going to send to the united states congress is a total immigration bill to provide a pathway to citizenship for undocumented people in the United States of America. There it is. And like you said, that 12, 10 to 12 or 14 million or whatever becomes 43 million yeah. when you look at the number that they sponsor to get in as well. Dave Ray, that's oh. the danger. That's Hopefully why we're holding their feet to the, the fire in Washington, D.C. No, Dave, I'm out of yeah. time, my friend. Uh, but okay. that's why we hold their feet to the fire. And I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Keep up the great work with FAIR. And uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. All right. Take care. Thank bye. you. Thank you, Dave. Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We'll come right back and wrap it up after this. All right, final segment on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again for being with us. We'll squeeze in a couple of phone calls here, but one more time, let's just listen to the majesty and the glory of the voice of Joseph R. Biden. America, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation, 
Indivis wander God for real. You know the thing. James, come on, man. James in Lorain County, you're on AM 1420 The Answer. Hi, James. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think it's a pledge allegiance to the flag. And, uh, Bob, I just had a comment. And to the republic question. for which it stands. We're going to skip that yeah. part. We're just going to go right to yeah. one nation, indivisible. Then he's stuck in right. because he knows he knows he's going to get hit if he doesn't put the under God part in there like the Democrats didn't do in the uh, in their convention. So he throws that in there randomly under God for real. For real. Come on, man. One nation. <laughs> indivisible under God for real. <laughs> Sorry, James. What did you call about? Yeah, I had a comment and a question. My comment is, okay. I would challenge LeBron James to uh, look no further than Akron, Ohio, the crime rate, and, and maybe make an appearance there, schedule a meeting with the mayor, and talk about that. And, uh, you know, if he wants to really make a difference, start there, right in his hometown. And uh, He has no interest whatsoever in actually reducing crime. He has interest in grandstanding and selling shoes and other Nike uh, paraphernalia made by the child sweatshop laborers in China and the Uyghur uh, Muslims who are in concentration camps. That's, a, that's all he cares about. What was the other part? Uh, yeah, I don't know what Uyghur is, but uh, anyway, uh, the question is for you. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, you getting more sleep? You've uh, canceled the Twitter account. I canceled the Twitter account for two reasons, my friend. Thanks for the call, James, for two reasons. the one, and Number one is truly, uh, it, honestly, yes, my life is a lot more peaceful now. It is very stress-inducing. It is a cesspool of toxic hate. Uh, it is it is liberal toxic hate. Conservatives who try to fight back peacefully get banned or shadow banned or censored or have their voices suppressed in some capacity. And it got so frustrating, I am, I am much more at peace with it. And the second thing is, uh, quite frankly, I don't need people that don't know me to try to judge me and evaluate me based on my Twitter feelings, uh, because it is harming a lot of people professionally. That's why so many people like Peter Kersenow, my friend, who kind of talked me into this, never started on it in the first place. He does not have a Twitter account, and it does no one any good, and I completely agree with Peter Kersenow. That's the reason I got off of Twitter. I'm still on Facebook for different reasons, but that may be coming too. Thanks for asking. I'm sorry if I left people on hold, and I know I did, but I'm out of time. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll talk to Kirsten out, by the way, on tomorrow's show. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.